Let's go. Had Let's a chance, go. but you blew it, blew it, blew it. Man, I'm great. Move on, baby, who this, who this, who this. Girl, you're messing with the wrong one. Now I'm flexing cause I'm on one. I'm on one. Flex, 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 flexing on. Flex, 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 flexing on you. to NBA University. Uh, this one is our NBA episode. Today is Saturday, February 2nd. Um, we just got done watching the Michigan State-Indiana game or Indiana upset uh, Michigan State. So that's where we are. Um, but today we're going to cover um, some news that's going on in the NBA. KP getting traded, um, the Anthony Davis saga going on. Um, plus James Harden, James Harden's point streak going, and then we're gonna get into two teams. Uh, start with the Denver Nuggets, and then get into the Miami Heat. Um, so first, we're gonna start with um, James Harden. This is James Harden. This song's for you, girl. I know you wanna see this chest. So it started December 13th when he, I think he scored 50 points and has been on a streak since then of scoring 30 points straight. So what do you think uh, of James Harden's streak so far? I mean, it's obviously been huge because it's come during a time when Chris Paul's been on the sidelines. Um, and last year, as we, as many of you probably know, as soon as Chris Paul went down against the Warriors, um, that pretty much cost them that series in the playoffs. So. A lot of people don't think James Harden can do it himself, um, and I think he kind of <laughs> was set out to prove them wrong uh, in this situation. I mean, anyone that can average what he averaged forty something in the month of January, right? Like yeah, forty four points. Yeah. yeah, which is he's the only person not named Wilt, I think, to be like close to that. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you're in the conversation with Wilt Chamberlain, you're doing something right. Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, but. Um, yeah, I mean, they went, I think, 11-6 and six in the 17 games that uh, Chris Paul's out, and pretty much 90% of that is because of what James Harden did. So it was a it was a huge time to do that for him. Um, but I think that streak should have ended last night. Yeah, yeah, the, the game against the, the Nuggets. Um, so the game was out of reach. Starters were still in. Um, and I've seen the argument that the whistle didn't blow from – like two and a half minutes to 47 seconds. Um, but I, I don't think that's a good excuse to keep him in. I think you see it all the time. Someone comes over half court, you just foul him quick to get the guys out. They also have, they're on a back-to-back. Right. That was the first of a, of a tough back-to-back between Denver and Utah. Yeah, and it's also not like Houston's like a, a Denver Nuggets team that has tons of depth. They, they're really struggling with guys that can – uh, put on an NBA univer- uh, uniform. So uh, I thought it was weird they kept them in. Um, definitely felt like it was for the streak. Um, it's obviously insanely impressive what he's doing, he's scoring uh, over 30 points a game uh, for an entire month, month and a half. 
and really carrying this team. Um, but what kind of bothered me was early into it. Um, he started talking about um, how the MVP is his award. He's going for it. It should be his. Uh, that that doesn't sit well with me for a player. Uh, if you're really just going out for individual accolades, uh, your team's struggling, you're sort of at the bottom part of the playoff picture when last year was two seed. Um, that really rubbed me the wrong way. I don't know if you saw that, but how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, usually the, the classic response from a player is, oh, MVP would be great, but, you know, team success matters more. I want to win the championship, so on and so forth. Um, and you even, like, Russ even was, was accused of padding his stats and trying to get his rebounds and assists and, like, meaningless uh, parts in the game. And I feel like that wasn't even necessarily the case, but... Um, James Harden just flat out admitting that like he's going for the MVP, that's great, and he's probably elevating his team by his play. Um, but I feel like as a as a professional athlete, you need to have a little more team focus. I know people can say like, oh, the team can do whatever they want. They can end up trading James Harden the next day. They're not loyal to James Harden, so why does James Harden have to look out for anyone but himself? But in the same breath, like he's playing with his teammates and. Those are kind of like your brothers, and it just doesn't – I don't know. I, I at least just don't say that. Like, you can think that, yeah, I'm going to win the MVP. It's my award, but don't say that out loud. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, – it's just – especially when your team's struggling. Um, they had a terrible start of the season. They've started coming back now. Um, but it, do, it just doesn't matter. Like, where you are in the season, you have to play, play as a team. And right now, I mean, he's just – they're not playing team ball. They're not. They're winning some games because he's putting up crazy numbers, uh, but they're losing at the same time because of those same things. So they lost to Heat, or to Denver last night, and really got dominated. And the best starting backcourt was Monte Morris, Malik, Malik Beasley, and Torrey Craig, and absolutely got dominated by those guys because they wanted to play, and they're playing hard. They're playing for each other. They're playing for the, the name on the front of the jersey, not the back. And it really showed. I mean, they could have won by 40. So, I mean, the way the Rockets are playing um, is not sustainable. It's not going to win you a championship. It's not going to win you a playoff series. So it's kind of confusing to me that they're going that way. And a lot of chatter has been around their supporting cast. Um, Chris Paul is obviously out, but they still have a lot of the main core guys from last year. Um, Eric Gordon, Clint Capella. Clint Capella's hurt, but P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green. Um, really only losing Trevor Ariza in that, in that rotation. Um, Luke Mbamute wasn't playing in, in the playoffs, so he, he even wasn't in a factor. Um, so he still has the same supporting cast. Their numbers are nearly identical. Um, from last year, Eric Gordon only really the one taking a big hit um, shooting percentage-wise, and it's not even that big of a hit. He's shooting 29% um, from three right now compared to 37 last year. Um, but still, he's making the same amount of threes, just shooting a little bit more this year. So it's not a huge difference. Um, I, I just don't understand why the Rockets are playing this way, um, just sort of diving behind James Harden and doing whatever he wants to do um, and seeing how that's not going to be successful for them. So I don't, 
high on SEC. If they get into the playoffs, they're going to have a tough first round and probably lose in the first round um, with this same roster. What do you what do you think their their uh, ceiling is for playoffs? Um, so going into the year, I felt that Warriors and the Thunder were the two best teams in the West, and I still feel that way. Um, I think realistically, I it it's going to depend a lot to me on what happens with the Lakers. Like if you find if the Rockets have to play the Lakers in the first round, I'm not betting against LeBron. I know the Lakers aren't that great, but even if they end up somehow getting AD, <laughs> that's a serious problem for the Rockets. Um, but you even have teams down there like Utah starting to get get pretty hot. Um, Donovan Mitchell's playing like he was last year again. Um, and I think there's some, some matchup problems. And I think teams are kind of starting to figure out how to guard uh, Harden. I know he's still scoring like 40-whatever, but if you watched like uh, – I can't remember the game that stuck out in my head, but someone – they defended him really well. He still ended up with, like, 35 points, but he took, like, 30 shots. And I'll sign up right now for having Harden have 40 if he's going to take 30, 35 shots to get it because that's a lot of misses. Yeah, absolutely. And the team certainly are figuring it out. Denver figured it out last night. Torrey Craig made it really, really difficult for him. Uh, there was a point where Torrey Craig, if you watch him defend, he gets a really wide base. Um which works for some people, it doesn't work for others, um, but he's really effective at it. He gets really wide and low um, and gets underneath James Harden. So there was a point where James Harden went up for a three. Torrey Craig was right underneath his elbow where he's shooting, really affected the shot, never made contact. Um, James Harden ended up hitting, hitting front rim. Um, and with him hitting front rim, Torrey Craig just leaked out and got an easy dunk while James Harden was complaining about a foul call. <laughs> um, so, I mean, people are figuring it out. One person who didn't figure it out was Josh Hart playing with his hands <laughs> behind his back. But <laughs> I don't know if that was just like a see what I have to do because the officials or if that was like legitimately what he thought he should be doing. Yeah. I know that was it was probably more on the officials because he I think he had like 27 free throws that game or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, this, this isn't sustainable for the Rockets and really the only team I can see the Rockets beating in a playoff series right now, the teams that are in, um, are the Clippers, uh, and the Clippers will be a tough out for them as well. I just don't see that their team ball is just not there. And if they match up with Denver in the first round, um, Denver plays the same type of style on offense. Uh, as far as up and down, a lot of threes, um, try to get inside the paint. Um, but they play team ball, and they're much more effective at it. So I don't see them winning a seven-game series in the first round. And I, I think it's it's worthwhile to note that when whenever the Rockets beat a, like a super good team, like say they beat the Warriors and James Harden had a crazy game and was awesome, in the fourth quarter in that game, Eric Gordon had a couple of huge shots. Like the Rockets don't beat good teams unless Eric Gordon – is either making some big shots or having an awesome like thirty point game. So I think no matter what James Harden does, he still needs either Chris Paul or Eric Gordon to be pretty solid in the game to beat a really good team. Yeah, absolutely. He had Chris Paul, uh, Eric Gordon are definitely the big, the most important players on that team as far as their success goes. Um, Clint Capella, he's gonna do put in his work. Um, he's gonna be consistently getting around. 12 to 15 points, 10 to 12 rebounds. 
um, and playing good defense. Um, and that's something that Kenneth Reed did last night. Kenneth Reed had a big night, so he basically replaced everything Clint Capella would have done. Um, and just Eric Gordon didn't get enough shots, I thought, um, or didn't get enough opportunities to drive and get into rhythm that he needs. And then Gerald Green and P.J. Tucker, again, are just sort of spot-up shooters for them. But they just need to get more shots, I think. Um, Good luck. Yeah. But I think uh, this roster is going to change a little bit at least. Um, We were talking earlier, I think they're going to eventually get DeAndre Jordan from the Knicks buying him out. And that'll be helpful for them. He's a big body, can take sort of those... Um, bigger centers on that Freed or Capella sometimes struggle with. Um, but I don't think that's going to make a huge difference. They're going to have to go out and make a trade, get another guy in the wing, um, really dangle the Brendan Knight, Brandon Knight in first-round pick for for someone on the wing, which is ultimately probably going to be Torian Prince in my mind. Whoa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good freaking riddance. <laughs> and, and ultimately, I think Rockets – their their ceiling right now is the second round exit. Spoiler alert: uh, DeAndre Jordan's on the Knicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm saying uh, after the buyout. I know. I'm just saying we spoiled our next <laughs> our next topic. Oh yeah. Oops. Well, we can get right into it. <clears throat> so the next topic um, is the uh, well, almost like Contavious Caldwell Pope. I don't know why. Because uh, because he's playing right now. <laughs> Um, but the Kristaps Porzingis trade. Look, I'm not paying you to do whatever it is you're doing out here. Fine. So don't pay me. Excuse me? I quit. So you don't have to pay me. Now leave me alone. So the New York Knicks sent out Porzingis, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Courtney Lee and Trey Burke. For Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and two future first-round picks. Uh, And the first-round picks are dependent on the Atlanta Hawks-Dallas Mavericks trade from the draft night last uh, draft. Um, So if you guys don't remember, Dallas moved up to the three spot to pick Luka Luka Doncic and traded a conditional first-round pick. Um, for this year, so Dallas protected it for the first five picks. If it lands one through five, Dallas keeps a pick. Um, and then um, if it goes six to 30, anywhere in that range, um, Atlanta would give the pick. If Atlanta gets the pick, the Knicks will get an unprotected two, 2021 first round pick and a one through 10 protected 2023 pick. Um, if Dallas keeps it this year, then Atlanta's pick goes to next year, and there's some protections on that, and then the Knicks' picks get picked out, pushed out one more year. Um, so what was your – I know that was a lot, but what was your initial thought on that on that trade? So first, when I first saw it, I saw just Kristaps and Courtney Lee for all the Dallas guys. And I was like, okay, like, I get – I. Well, so my very first reaction was, why didn't they wait and try to see if they can get Anthony Davis with Chris Stops? Because I heard that mentioned a few times, like Chris Stops, the first round pick this year and whatever else they need to throw in, 
which would be, in my opinion, that's a pretty intriguing package to offer to New Orleans, especially if the Lakers were going to mess around like they've kind of done so far. Um, so initially I thought, like, okay, the Pelicans must have blew him off. And then I saw Tim Hardaway Jr. involved, and then I saw Trey Burke involved. thinking to myself, like, okay, the Knicks obviously are going super hard for Zion right now. That's the number one thing I can think of. And the other thing is they really believe they're going to get two free agents next year or this in this free agency. Um, and personally, I don't see... I don't see the confidence of a superstar going there, especially two of them. Um, I guess there's a better shot of two than one because two might go together. I doubt one player, like kind of how LeBron went to L.A., I doubt that could happen in New York um, just because whoever goes to New York is going to need some help to get to the playoffs and be a contender. Um, But with the whole trade, the Knicks are literally just banking on the fact that they can get some superstars because – they traded their young generational type talent and Tim Hardaway Jr., who I know catches a ton of slack, but I honestly feel like he's a pretty solid um, a role type NBA player. And who's I think you said he has what, one and a half or two and a half years left? Um so Tim Hardaway Jr. I believe is Around two. Yeah, I'll double check. You keep talking. <laughs> um but yeah, so so giving up him and Trey, they basically just moved the contract of Courtney Lee and then obviously Chris Stops. I think Dallas hit an absolute home run. Um, kind of. So so they trade away DeAndre Jordan, who we believe there's no chance he was going to be there next year unless it was for like a veteran minimum contract. And even at that point, I still don't think he's there. Um, Wesley Matthews, who probably same type of deal, kind of on his way out in Dallas. And then Dennis Smith Jr., who pretty much got kind of the short end of the stick and uh, didn't fit too well with the team and it just wasn't working out. So Dallas moves on from kind of, I don't want to call them problems, but like three guys that weren't part of the plans end up with a superstar to pair with Luka Doncic and three solid role guys to go around with it. Um, and, and it doesn't really hurt their prospects for a pick this year. I know they're kind of trying to stay inside of the top five. Um, I doubt that happens honestly, because those, Bottom five teams are pretty bad, but uh, I think Dallas had a home run, and I think the Knicks are uh, living in an alternate universe thinking they're going to get two stars. Yeah, well, so Tim Hardaway, he has um, next year and then a player option um, for um, $18.9 million. So at the very least, next year they'll have, well, they should have Hardaway and Porzingis with Luka and, and the rest of the crew. Yeah, so right now, who they have guaranteed on the books, Hardaway, uh, Courtney Lee, Luka Doncic, um, and Jalen Brunson, and then Ryan Brokoff has a non-guarantee. Um, then Harrison Barnes can either opt in, which he's probably going to opt out because he's 26, had a good season, try to get a long-term deal. I don't see him coming back to Dallas although I wouldn't be surprised if he does. And then Dwight Powell also has a um, player option. Again, I think he opts out. He's 27. Um, a good young big who I think can um, sign a long-term deal with, with, a, with a good team. So um, and then obviously the Chris Sepp Porzingis is talking about signing the qualifying offer. Um, I've seen different reports on that. Um, so essentially what the qualifying offer is is for someone – 
that has, um, at the end of their rookie year, if they sign the qualifying offer, um, they sign it for that last year of their rookie deal. Um, it's part of that deal. And then after that season, they'll become an unrestricted free agent. Um, when they're when they have a qualifying offer, that means they're a restricted free agent, and any team can sign them to a contract, and the team that they're on have the right to match it. Um, so you see, the Brooklyn Nets a few years ago kind of did it with Portland, did it with Miami, where they signed Alan Crabb and Tyler Johnson to these to these big huge deals, and Portland and Miami ended up matching it and keeping them. So Kristaps. If he signs a qualifying offer, that's essentially him betting on himself. So signs a qualifying offer, can get into unrestricted free agency where he can make more money than what would be on a um, rookie contract, coming off of a rookie contract. Um, so does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so if he signs that, um, they'll have him for cheap next year. Um, it'll be around like $6.5 million. Um, and then the year after is sort of when that big contract would set in. And I think Mark Cuban's going to max him out no matter what, unless his leg falls off. So um, my impressions of the deal, um, before I heard about the first-round picks, I was kind of shocked um, that they would jump at this trade. Uh, because if it was just simply cap relief uh, – that's a huge risk to take. And without the picks, it's either you hit a home run, you sign Katie and Kyrie, and you have a, all of a sudden you have Zion Williamson, Kyrie, you have KD. Um, so, I mean, that would be a good team right there. Um, but with the picks, it, it makes it a little bit better, especially since 2021 is unprotected. You never know, ha- know what happens with health. Um, I think the worst case scenario for them is Dallas really just becomes the team that we sort of see and expect and end up in the late 20s um, and then in 2021 and the Knicks get a late first round pick and then 2023 they continue that success and have another late first round pick and then don't sign Katie and Kyrie. I think that's where the Knicks miss on this on this trade if that happens. And even though that's a lot of steps, it still seems like that's more likely than not. Yeah. Um, I sort of posted this out on Twitter. Um, I don't know if you saw it, but this is a genuine question. Is it a successful trade for New York if they sign Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris um, and draft R.J. Barrett? They don't get the number Um, I still would say that would... I, th- I think that would be successful, yeah. It, it's for me, I'm back and forth on it. Um, because if Like, obviously, that's the... Those are still, obviously, solid max players, but that would be, like, plan B, probably. <laughs> Maybe C. Yeah, and I, th- I think... See, if, if I was New York, I would have done everything I could to, to get Anthony Davis... Um, and then and then make sort of a secondary. Oh. <laughs> um, sorry, that was Alexa talking to me. 
Um, but I would have done anything I could to trade for Anthony Davis and then um, done sort of secondary deals to get rid of that cap space uh, another way. Um, and I think having AD on a team is much more attractive to KD and Kyrie than Kevin Knox and <laughs> Dennis Smith Jr. Um, so I, I feel like they rushed a little bit. I know um, they were talking about it since Wednesday um, and finally made the deal on Friday. So they've had talks with other teams. But I heard a report that um, Dallas really didn't hang up the phone until the deal got done. So in that, my, in that way, I feel like it kind of – the deal kind of got rushed. Yeah, that was – so my dad's a Knicks fan. The first thing he said was, when's the trade deadline? And I said, February 7th. And he said, well, why did this happen now? And I didn't really have an answer for that. Um, I think a lot of – so I don't think Kristaps – I don't think – obviously teams in the playoffs right now I don't think would be looking for a Kristaps deal just because we pretty much are expecting that he's not playing this year. Um, but I think there's a lot of teams that are like building young cores and even other teams that might be looking for something new that are going to call about Kristaps. And I think the Knicks, I, I'm almost sure the Knicks could have gotten a better offer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting two first-round picks, um, a young player in Dennis Smith Jr. that I still think is going to be a solid NBA player um, is, is a good deal in getting that, those, that money off. Um, but it's not like Courtney Lee didn't have a, a market or Tim Hardaway wouldn't have a market next year. Um, like you still can get rid of these guys without sort of rushing the Porzingis deal. And what I don't understand is Porzingis isn't playing this year. You can wait till February 7th for that deal. Dallas is still doing that deal. They're not doing this deal to get into the playoffs this year. It's all right. for next year. So see if you can get something more out of that. Um, try to get a try to get Knox or try to get Frank in that deal um, to get a little bit more. I, I just didn't understand um, why it have, seemed to happen so fast. Um, and like I, like I said, it, it, they, they were talking Wednesday and Thursday and finally made the deal Friday. But, again, you have another week to make that deal. And I think you kind of hit on it, but with the picks, like when you trade your best player who – when healthy is one of the better players in the NBA, those picks you're getting back, if he's healthy, are not going to be that good picks. Like, they're late first-rounders, like you said. And, I mean, Luka and KP is a dangerous duo, so that team should be playoffs um, when they're all healthy. And, I mean, I see time and time again how how badly teams struggle to find a good draft pick in the late first round. Yeah, and the Knicks... <laughs> Are not exactly. aren't, aren't known for how well they draft. Um, so I still remember when R Ronaldo Bachman went in the first round, and I didn't even know who he was. His eighth pick from South Carolina. Yeah. Yep. He, uh, I had, I remember when he got drafted. I had hope for him because he's six eight wing. Honestly, I think he would do better in this this era of basketball because he was sort of that small ball four who can guard multiple positions and shoot it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, Knicks, Knicks are a team that really uh, struggle to draft. And if I'm given giving them a, a pick at 22, I don't see them being successful very often. So um, 
I would have looked at a team like Phoenix um, or even like the Lakers because the Lakers, they don't, they don't have a, a huge future right now. Um, I know they're trying to make these trades, try to bring in big players. They could probably sign Clay next this summer um, and maybe even bring in KD. And you got a good team, but LeBron's 34. Um, not sure how long that team lasts. And you can get a, a pick from them or um, one of these Eastern Conference teams. I think they could have got a better pick from. So I thought it was weird. No matter what, this free agency class is what's going to what's going to tell us if this trade went well for the next or not. Yeah, yeah. This summer, if they if they don't get at least one max player, I think they lose. No matter what happens with draft picks, not no matter what they could get freaking Michael Jordan, I guess. But it, there's a large chance they don't do well in this trade if they don't get a, at least one max guy I think and a legit max guy, not like a fringe max that you just offer way too much money for. Chris Middleton. Yeah, well, I mean, he's still a good player, but I'm he's, not trying to pay him 200 Yeah, so. Oh, I'm a huge Chris Middleton fan. But he's he's not making $35 million, um in a year. But I think the, the funniest scenario would be, um, at least someone on the outside, would be Dallas wins the lottery, gets the first pick, um, jumps ahead in New York, and then the Knicks can't sign anybody in the summer. It's not fun for a Hawks fan. No. Well, it's not fun for the Knicks fans. <laughs> yeah, but who cares? Knicks, Knicks are running out of fans at this point, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, and another another thing that I saw is the last time the New York Knicks extended a rookie, passed a rookie deal, was 1980. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I don't know who that's – I don't know what's worse about that. Like the fact that they just can't flat-out draft a rookie or the rookies want to leave when they're good. Yeah, so it's just I think it talks both that they can't they they struggle to draft and that they, the organization is just, their front office is just poor, um, probably the worst front office in the NBA, especially because it's probably the worst owner in the NBA. Yeah, and I think I know obviously um, Perry and Mills are, are relatively new to the to running the show, but. Um, Nothing they've done has made me think that they're making they're changing things uh, from what they were. It's almost solidified the fact that it's going to continue for a while. Yeah, because I mean, I think Sacramento is the only other team that could put up an argument. Um, but they crushed it the last two years. Yeah, so, so far, they, so. they've been doing well so far. Um, so yeah, but yeah, that was way too much time on the Knicks, like like always. Um, we'll jump. <laughs> we'll get into. Let's talk a little bit about. Anthony Davis, and where do you think he's going? Welcome to LA. 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 Bright lights and stars. Welcome to LA. Where we rhyme and ball. Welcome to LA. If you ain't from here, welcome to LA. No, you want to come here. Welcome to LA. Ah, uh, the Pelicans. <laughs> You think he's staying this this uh, through the deadline? Yeah, just because. So I understand that like Boston can offer, um, like they can basically make the trade without making the trade until the summer. I just feel that for the Pelicans, it's dumb, in my opinion, to to deal him right now when you have so much time and you can hear so many more offers. And I think 
I almost think the Lakers. So the first offer from the Lakers, I think, if I have it right, was Beasley, Rondo, first round pick, uh, Ball, and Kuzma, which is awful to say the least. That's not the best offer the Lakers could have possibly given. Um, and you obviously can't make the trade with Boston, so who knows what their best true offer would be. And then I think you have a lot, bunch of other teams that could be involved in the offseason that I think might be reluctant to do something right now. Um, I just think that at this point in time, you don't have the full complement of offers that you would have uh, in the offseason when teams aren't, like, think like. You, you could have a team that's in the playoff race right now that might be losing a free agent or something might be happening in the offseason that's not currently happening that will throw a crazy offer at you for AD. Um, the Pelicans are in no rush. Honestly, well, maybe they run off 20 straight games here or something clicks and AD's playing great. Who knows? But I just don't think there's – it doesn't make sense to me to, to do the deal right now when you don't know fully what you could possibly get. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, not sure why the Lakers are just messing around, basically. I think it's going to bite them in the butt. Uh, oh, you mean like it did with Kawhi and Paul George? Yeah, seriously. I mean, if Third you, time's the charm. If you don't learn from those two, I don't know when you're going to learn. Um, but throwing out that deal is just an insult, and you're just harming relationships. I don't know what they think their young core is. Uh, but it's not, whatever they think it is. <laughs> Which is why people keep saying they need to trade all of them in order just to have a chance at AD. Like, I don't understand the hesitancy to, to hold out Josh Hart from this deal. Like, Josh <laughs> Hart is a good young player. He's probably topped out at what he's going to produce. Um, he's going to be a 3 and D type of guard, shooting guard that can defend. Um, never, ever going to be even a third option offensively. Uh, and they're just they're not putting him in the deal. They're scared to do it. Same with Kyle Kuzma. I mean, Kyle Kuzma is going to be a third option, I think. Um, I sort of made a third this, option on a good team. On a good team, yeah. Um, and I sort of made this comparison that he's in between Channing Frye and Rashard Lewis. Um, not great. Never going to be a great defensive player. He'll be slightly above average. Um, not a, not a sensational passer or playmaker, um, but can get hot and go off for 30 in, in games, but never going to be a top two, two option. Um, same thing with Brandon Ingram. Um, going to have games where he gets hot and is really hitting his mid-range jumpers that he loves. Um, but, I mean, we're talking about Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis, I think, over his career has shown, I don't think he's quite a top five player now because of, um, where he's taken the Pelicans, only making one playoff appearance, and that's it. Uh, I think he has talent around him to, or I guess two playoff appearances. Um, he has talent around him to be a good, a good team. And this year, um, I think they have even more talent than they did last year, and now they're the 14 seed in the West. Um, but it's still Anthony Davis. Like He's a top 10 player in the NBA. And we're talking about these young guys that I don't even think are top five in their class. So um, it's just weird that the, the Lakers are going about it this way. Um, and the one, Oh, go ahead. 
the one thing I think will help the Lakers the most is that the thing with Anthony Davis's dad saying he's not going to play for Boston, um, at least long term. So why would Boston offer the full compliment that they could? Obviously, everyone knows that probably the team that can make the best offer would be Boston because they have a ton of picks, they have a ton of young talent, um, and they could probably put the most attractive offer on the table if the Pelicans do want to move Anthony Davis, which honestly at this point in time doesn't even seem like it's that urgent. Obviously, I think they will move him because they're going to lose him anyways. Um, might as well get something for him, but I think they, I think they know they have time, and I think they're ready to just listen to they're just going to wait for the team to just absolutely wow them. And Magic just being a, just throwing around stupid people for no reason is not getting it done. Um, but if Boston does become reluctant, which I honestly still think they're going to offer quite a bit just because I think they're going to want to take the chance and see if they can wow Anthony Davis, um, that's pretty much the only way for me that the Lakers have a legit shot if all teams are involved. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I, I do think that um, there's going to be a team like Toronto or Denver or Portland that comes in and swoops them up um, at the deadline, and they have a full year, um, a year and a half with, with Anthony Davis to show them, hey, this is what winning looks like. Um, I think Toronto has the best offer. Um, to me, honestly, I think it's better than Brooklyn or Boston's um, with OG Inanobi and Pascal Siakam headlining that. Uh, I think those two guys are, are better than every one, of, every one of Boston's young guys except Tatum, and I think it's close between those three. Um, so I think a team like Toronto will come in, OG Pascal, Jonas Valanciunas, who's 26 and still very effective, um, and future first-round picks, and all of a sudden, Pelicans jump at that. Now the the Raptors have Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, um, Demar De- or Kawhi Leonard, um, Serge Ibaka, and Anthony Davis in their starting lineup, and they just run away with the East, um, and potentially could win a championship with that team. So I don't know. That would you- become the longest half-year sales pitch of all time to try to get Kawhi to stay and have Anthony Davis stay with them. Yeah, I mean, it makes a ton of sense in my eyes. And it's something Messiah Yurji is going to, it's thinking long and hard about um, how can he make it more attractive for for Kawhi to stay. Uh, no, no better way to do it than add another top 10 player. <laughs> um, and, I mean, that team... You still can have guys like Fred Van Fleet coming off the bench, um, DeLon Wright, guys like that that are still very good bench players and then just sign someone from the buyout market like Wesley Matthews. Um, All of a sudden you have a team that really can compete with the Warriors. And if you show Kawhi and Anthony Davis that, um, look out. Lakers have no chance. Um, What do you think about him potentially landing in Toronto. Yeah, I mean, you kind of you kind of hit on it, but Anthony Davis is the type of player that every team's going to call and see like what their chances are of getting him. You don't if Anthony Davis is available, you don't pass up the opportunity to at least ask like what do you need. Um, so that includes every, literally every single team in the NBA. I think is smart to call and say what could we offer or what do you want. Um, 
I think the only scary thing about Anthony Davis to me is the fact that he just is never healthy for long stretches in, in the season. And a team like like Toronto to blow it up, not blow it up, but like to to move some serious role players um, in order to get a player like Anthony Davis makes sense to me because that reward is so much higher than the risk. Like if what's the worst case scenario in Toronto, Anthony Davis, you trade for him, you move your two young studs. um, Kawhi leaves next year. You still have Anthony Davis for a season and then he leaves and then you just restart anyways. So that's still, you still have a, a really good shot at winning a title this year. You still have Anthony Davis for next year. And then who knows after that, um, it's worth it to me, at least. Yeah, I think if, if I'm Masai Urgy, as much as I love OG and Pascal, like two of my favorite young guys um, in the NBA, I think having Anthony Davis with Serge in the front court and then Kawhi, Danny Green, um, Kyle Lowry, I mean, that team is the best defensive team put together in a long time. Uh, and... They still have a ton of offensive skill there. And I really the only thing I'll say about the Raptors is that, so I think the Raptors, I still think the Pelicans shouldn't do it until the end of the season at least because there's still no rush. The Raptors still, if the Raptors could could tell Kawhi, like, okay, we're going to trade for Anthony Davis, that would, could still make Kawhi stay. And then Anthony Davis would probably stay long-term if he got a season under his belt in Toronto, especially with Kawhi there. So, I mean, Toronto doesn't – the reason Toronto does it now is because they're, they either want to, like, solidify the fact that, yeah, Kawhi, we're trying to build with you. Like, we want you to be a part of the long term here. And they feel that they can actually win a title this year, which I think is entirely possible. Um, but still, I think that offer could be on the table at the end of the year for the Pelicans. So I, I still feel like the Pelicans need to wait. Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely waiting if I'm the Pelicans. But if I'm the Raptors, I'm – Doing what Dallas did to New York and saying we're not getting off the phone until the deal is done. <laughs> That's like I feel like um, uh, help me out here. Rich Paul needs to oh, like just force the issue and be like he needs to leave now. Well, Rich Paul is forcing the issue to the Lakers and right. He to be honest, which isn't working for either side. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know if Anthony Davis's dad actually said that or if that was just Rich Paul. See, I was wondering, or if it was like Boston. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's a game of guys just throwing out reports. Um, or the Lakers, I mean, I don't know why I said Boston, but you get yeah, the idea. It's it's just they're they're playing a leverage game right now, and um, if the Lakers really don't act fast, I don't think they get Anthony Davis, and they're just gonna waste away LeBron James. So <laughs> until his son gets into the league. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but again, spent too much time on that. We'll jump into, just go quickly into the All-Star um, game reserves. They came out, um, a couple of snubs that I think um, happened on the West. The East, I mean, the East doesn't have, they're not very deep. So I think everyone who made it deserved it, um, regardless of what Andre Drummond says. <laughs> Shows you how little he pays attention. Yeah, exactly. Um so you want to talk a little bit about your all-star snub? Yeah, sure. So I think it's yours too, but the the main snub, in our opinion, on the West is Tobias Harris. Um, and we feel that the two players that probably are the questionable ones that made it ahead of him are uh, Clay and, at least for me, more so LaMarcus Aldridge. 
Honestly, I don't even feel like LaMarcus is the second all-star on his own team. But um, Tobias, I think, is – I don't want to say the sole reason that the, the Clippers are in the playoffs, but without Tobias, the Clippers are not in the playoffs. Um, I know they bring a defensive intensity every night and they play well together, but Twyatt, Tobias, wow, is the, is the serious go-to guy. He's the, the stud of the team. He's had an incredible year. He's gotten better every single year, um, and he's going to get a max deal this year. I think he's worth a max deal this year. Uh, and, again, a career season that just is very deserving of an all-star spot. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. He's been a huge role in the Clippers' success, along with Lou Williams. Um, those two guys sort of carry everything. And I do think he, he deserved to be there. I mean, he won player. He does it so quietly, though. Like, for when I watched them play the, the uh, Hawks, he had 30, and I didn't even think he scored at the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he's just so efficient the way he does it. Um, and he just continues to get better. He'll, he'll eventually get into the All-Star game, um, whether that's next year on the Knicks when he signs the Max there. Say or on, on the KD. Brooklyn Nets when he signs the Max there. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, Tobias Harris is I, I've I'm very confident will be in New York in some capacity. Um, but my snub is uh, Rudy Gobert, and um, talks. It's been talked a lot about on NBA Twitter, um, and he's been insanely important for Utah. Um, Utah started off started off slow, but um, have really turned it around now and. Looked like they're going to get up near that three seed everyone was predicting them to be at the beginning of the season. Um, and and it all starts with him. Um, defensively, he's the best defensive center in the league, no question about it. Um, does a lot on that end. Um, but also is effective offensively. Um, catches a lot of lobs. Very good pick and roll player. Um, struggles with catching a little bit, um, but has gotten better at that. And certainly um, deserves to be in the All Star game rather than the Marcus Aldridge, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, those are the two guys that we thought should have been in um, over Clay and Lamarcus. But we'll finally take a, a break here and um, jump into the Denver Nuggets. Hey, Nico, we got a we got a tweet here that Will Barton put out there. Congratulations, uh, AKA. Uh, Big Honey. Big um, Honey, that's your nickname? Much deserved all-star selection. I don't, don't, don't. Oh, <laughs> no. Big yeah. Honey, hey, Big so Honey. What do you prefer, uh, Joker or Big Honey? I like Big Honey. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take Joker. I'm going to take Joker. Uh, There's a real story behind Big Honey. There's hey, a Big real honey. story. Hey, Big Honey, come on, switch it up. Stop. <laughs> Big Honey, no. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't have told uh, us that one. Right. Like, you may prefer well, Joker, he made, but he made me. He made me. My bad. No, no, no <laughs> go ahead. My bad. He made me nervous, but I'm sweating right now because that big honey. <laughs> Just kidding me. Well, that's big all honey. we're going to call you from this point on. Uh, but we'll call you All Star too. So we're going to do the Denver Nuggets first and talk about them. Um, break down their their um, their personnel. So normally. Um, their starting lineup is Jamal Murray at, at the point, um, Gary Harris in the backcourt with him, and now a w- healthy Will Barton at small forward with Paul Millsap and Nikola Jokic um, in the frontcourt. 
Uh, their bench, backup point guard, Monte Morris. Um, shooting guard, Malik Beasley. Uh, they have Torrey Craig. Uh, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumlee are sort of their backup five. And then um, I don't think I'm missing anybody else, but uh, let's see. Oh, and, and Juan Hernan Gomez, or Juan Acho, uh, is the only other, other guy that will get some minutes for them. So, um, who's your favorite guy in the Nuggets? I'm a huge Jamal Murray guy. Um, I don't say that often. Kentucky's like the North Carolina for me. Like, I really shy away. If I like a guy on either of those teams, it should mean something to you. Did you, um, uh, hold on. Did you see the Jackie McMullen story on him? No, I haven't seen that yet. I would check Did that you, out. Was it good? Very good. Talks about a figured. lot about um, his dad and his influence on him, and it's coming from Canada. How that was, all that, how hard he works. But I heard, I heard an interview with Calipari um, when he was talking about parents, and he said that Jamal Murray's dad is the first one to call him all the time. Like, do you think my son's doing the right thing? Do you think he's in the right direction? Like, how can I help him? He's like, relax. Your son's a superstar. He's gonna get there. Um, but yeah, I I'm a big Jamal Murray guy. Um, I think he does pretty much everything right. Um, he's he's a fantastic player with the ball in his hands. He can get his own shot. He can shoot the lights out. Hasn't really shot as well as I expected him to yet. Um, I think he will continue to improve and eventually get to be a completely knockdown shooter. But uh, the thing that's the most underrated about him in my mind is how capable he is of making plays for other people. I know he doesn't do a ton of it, really, on the Nuggets. Um, again, he's still super young. He's really going to get there. He's already better than I expected at this point in time. Um, and I think for a long time, the, the duo of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jamal has been, has been awesome for Denver the past two years. Um, he's really stepping up. I think coming out of Kentucky, he felt more like an off-ball guard. Um, yeah, the, Cal pretty much forced him to be a shooting guard and like spot up shooter. Yeah, and now he's becoming that true point guard. Denver runs an offense that um, is sort of without a point guard. They play through Jokic, um, similar to the way the Warriors play. Um, get the ball at Draymond Green and play through him, uh, and it's really effective. It, it sort of limits Jamal Murray's playmaking opportunities. Um, but when he has them, he fully takes advantage. Um, and when he gets hot, he's... Um, <laughs> Scorching hot. Yeah, it's, and he has the confidence in the world um, to be able to, to knock down 10 threes in the game um, and do it in a really fast pace. I mean, I saw him live against the Bulls a few weeks ago. He had like eight points going into the third quarter and hit like four threes in the third quarter and ended like like 25 or 26 points, something like that. Um, he's just very, very – he's a microwave, but he's someone that can start the game and finish it. And he's gotten a lot better defensively. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Jamal, he's only 21, has two years left on his rookie deal before he comes, becomes a restricted free agent. And – the Nuggets really, really got lucky getting him in the draft. I think he was one or two on their on their big board going into the draft, and they had the seven, um, seventh pick, and they didn't expect it. 
sort of Jamal to be there. Um, and with the Celtics taking Jalen Brown, Phoenix having the worst first round <laughs> I think I've ever seen drafting Dragon Bender and Marquise Chris. Um, and then Chris Dunn going ahead of him and Buddy Heald. Um, I think a lot of those teams are kicking themselves. Who was the first pick? That was Ben Simmons. And then... Brandon Ingram. Oh, yeah. So I would pick him second right now. Absolutely. And I think eventually he could surpass Ben Simmons because he can basically do everything Ben can, plus have an insanely good jump shot. So Plus hit the hoop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but another guy that I really, really like uh, is Gary Harris, um, someone who's very, very underrated. His shot has grown insanely since he was drafted for Michigan State. And he's only 24. I don't know if you knew that, but he's super young and, like, is still probably top five um, two-way player at the shooting guard position. Uh, I don't think I can name five guys better than him. And he doesn't get any any recognition at all. Um, so I really like him. And then, obviously, Jokic. Um, who was my MVP, still is. It's just been insanely good for them. And Will Barton's new nickname for him is Big Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so I really like that. And I don't think Jokic actually likes it, but... Um, that makes it even better. Will Barton's like, I don't care. He's my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that really talks to how well this team meshes. Um they really do seem to get along, and you can see it on the court. Um, and they still have a ton of guys hurt. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., Isaiah Thomas, Jared Vanderbilt finally came back. Like, these guys are all starting to get healthy, and they're still the number one seed in the West. Like, it's un- unreal and how scary this team's going to be, especially since they have Jokic, Gary Harris, Will Barton locked up, going to sign Jamal Murray um, next summer. I mean, this team is is going to be scary for a long time. Yeah, so the the theme, if you can't tell so far, of the Nuggets is young talent. Um, they have one player over the age of 29, and it's Paul Millsap, who's 33. Uh, in terms of, like, legit players that play all the time, their oldest guy is 28. It's Torrey Craig and Will Barton. And then they go, Gary Harris is 24, Monte Morris, 23, Jokic, 23, uh Malik Beasley, 22, Jamal Murray, 21, Michael Porter Jr., 20, Jared Vanderbilt, 19. Um, Vanderbilt and Michael Porter Jr. are basically going to be free agents for them next year, like free agent additions because they haven't gotten a ton of chances to play because of injury. Um, Michael Porter Jr. was a guy that like 90% of the world thought he was going as a number one pick uh, before he went to Missouri when he got hurt. And then obviously being hurt, you don't get to see a whole lot of them against good competition. You see other players play really well against good competition. He falls down a little bit. Um, <laughs> so someone that easily could have been the first pick if he played a full college season is going to join the current number one seed in the West, which is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, no, it's it's scary. Um, scary what they have. <laughs> and someone I just want to take a few minutes to talk a little bit more about is Monte Morris. Uh, I think he's the second best backup point guard in the NBA right now. Um, he really Does that mean just, Schroeder's the first? Yeah. Damn it. 
<laughs> but I mean, what he did last night, took over Jamal Murray's spot, and ran the show. I mean, dictated the the pace of the play, the way the Nuggets were going to play on offense. He really got Malik Beasley going. Um, got Tory Craig easy, easy shots, easy dunks, um, and did his job of getting the ball to Jokic. Um, he's just an unbelievable floor general, and I th- think he's probably the best player that a casual NBA fan doesn't know about. Um, him or like Derek White, someone like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if you haven't watched Nuggets or seen Monte Morris, please watch him. He's so in control, and this is really, truly his first year in the NBA. It seems like he's been a 10-year vet. So um, just love the way Monte Morris plays. Yeah, he's he pretty much is the reason that Iowa State is relevant at this point in time in the world. Um, so he did it all in college, and he's just continued to do the same thing in the league. Um and again, another young guy <laughs> to go along with the rest of their young talent. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, they're. It's crazy to me that they're already the tied for first in the West. Like they're thirty six and fifteen, tied with the Warriors. Um, they've. You mentioned a few podcasts ago that you could make a playoff team out of their injured players, and they're still the first seed. Like that is unbelievable. Yeah, it's. They they're definitely ahead of schedule, similar to how we talked about OSU. Uh, I was expecting a four seed this year, with sort of Houston, Golden State, and OKC in front of them. But um, the way they've played this year, how they've improved defensively, um, has been really really impressive. And geez, if they keep this up, they can sort of they could have a Warriors type run. Um, yeah, let's let's jump into. Sort of prospects and free agents for them. Um, so for them, uh, they traded away their first-round pick. Um, so they don't have a first-round pick this year. Um, basically, they just have a late second. Um, so who, who do you see for them? So I uh, took a chance with two bigger guys, like athletic bigs, basically, that can handle the ball and make plays for other people, step out a little bit. Um, the fir- my first choice would be Diedrich Lawson. I think he fits really well at them as like a passing. Uh, he, he if you watch the game today, they describe him as an old old man big. Just plays like very collected, calm, uh, makes plays, knows how to pass, like just does it all. Um, I think he would fit really well at that system, kind of like a another Jokic type player coming off the bench. Um, and also, I think they could. They could use a player like Isaiah Roby, same type of deal as Dietrich Lawson, just a little bit more athletic. Honestly, can play the wing position in the NBA, uh, even though he plays a five at Nebraska, which is mind-boggling to me. But uh, his true position, I think, would be a three or a four in the NBA. And I think Dietrich Lawson and he are both the same type of player um, that could step in as like a bench, bench big that can handle the ball and make plays for other people and just continue what they miss when Jokic isn't on the court. Yeah, absolutely. I like those guys there. Um, for sure. I was battling between like those type of players. Another guy similar to that is Juwan Morgan. I think would fit in very well there. Oh, yeah. Um, because of his playmaking ability from the four spot. I thought you were going to yell at me that that was too soon. <laughs> no, no, no. That would, that would be a perfect fit for them. 
Um, I also I think they could use some help on the wing um, at the small forward spot because right now it's really just um, Will Barton uh, and Torrey Craig. Obviously, Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt can play that position as well. Um, but I don't think you can have enough wing type of players. I like my my freshman from Arizona State, um, Lugis Dort, um, guy like that, just defender, can hit open jumpers, um, plays hard, just fits in that type of type of team. Um, so a guy like that, or Jawan Morgan, like I was saying earlier, those two, those kind of guys that just go out and sort of blue collar type of player. Yeah, nothing and, flashy. And you said it, but Porter. Um, Michael Porter and Jared Vanderbilt both can play the three or the four. Porter, honestly, might even be able to play the five a little bit against smaller uh, smaller centers that aren't massive. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking at this and thinking of, like, next year when Porter's healthy of a lineup like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, and just wondering how that's beatable. Yeah. Yeah, their their lineups next season are going to be a ton of fun. And even when Isaiah Thomas comes back this year, which he's inching closer and closer, starting to get a lot of good workouts in, um, it's going to be all. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, Jamal Murray, backcourt, that's going to be so much fun. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this this team is uh, is scary for the future, for sure. Um now what about some free agents? So I kind of took the easy way out, I guess, here. Um, I don't want to do a whole lot to this team. kind of just want to keep everything pretty status quo and add your draft pick. Um, so I I say we the Nuggets should re-sign Trey Lyles, who's going to be a free agent, and I think they pick up the team option on Paul Millsap. Um, I think both those guys are are solid players on this team. I think Millsap, obviously is is like a go-to type takeover player that uh, I could see in a playoff series. You just really throw it in the ball, like the elbow, high post, uh, even on the block, and just letting him dominate for a little while and then getting the rest of the team involved. He can ease the, ease the pressure off some of those guys that haven't really done it before. Um, and Trey Lyles, I think, is a really solid role player off the bench. The only thing I think, one player I threw out there, um, if he chooses to play again, I think adding a player like Vince Carter could be awesome for this team to just give that like veteran calm presence, um, really bring along guys like Michael Porter Jr., Gary Harris, those type of wing players, even Jamal Murray, uh, and he's still like a somewhat able contributor. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's shocking how effective Vince Carter has been as just sort of a stretch four. Um, it would be fun to have that mentorship there. Um, have him uh, sort of combined with uh, Paul Millsap as that veteran voice. Um, yeah, I do like those. Some guys I was thinking about um, take a shot on a guy like Furkan Korkmaz, uh, shooting guard from Turkey that plays on Philly right now. He's an unrestricted free agent. And why not take a shot on that kind of guy, someone that can really develop um, – he can shoot the crap out of the ball, too. He's, in summer league, he was unreal. Yeah, and he can really fit in perfectly with that team. Uh, someone that can, he's got size. He's like 6'7". Uh, can really shoot the ball. 
Uh, and I, he's a super young. He just turned 21. So why not take a chance on him? And then another guy was Ian Clark, someone who's played on the Warriors, played in some big playoffs, playoff series. Um, just give them another sort of shooting wing. Um, yeah, I mean, just take chances on guys. You, you have your rotation. You don't need to bring in anybody that is going to get some significant minutes. So might as well take some chances on some young guys. Yeah, I agree. I think you just keep keep everything as as similar as you can and add anything that fits with the rest of the salary cap that could you think could help your roster. Yeah. And I know I said last time I'd do a trade for each team, but for, for the Nuggets. Don't. It's yeah. not worth it. Yeah. Let these guys develop together. They love each other. I mean, Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley are best friends, and Malik Beasley's probably the best young trade piece that you'd be willing to give up. Um, so and he just absolutely dogged James Harden last night on the offensive end. So yeah, he just showed some of his potential. So I'd leave him be. Um, but yeah, so we'll 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 take a quick break um, and get into the to Miami Heat. Uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Miami. Uh, uh, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh. <laughs> Can y'all feel that? Can y'all feel that? Jig it out. Uh. Uh, and our last one is going to be the Miami Heat. Um, Zach's favorite NBA team. <laughs> that stink. Uh, <laughs> uh, so their, their roster um, has also been hit with injury bug, just like basically every other NBA team. Um, normally they'd bring out a lineup like Goran Dragic, um, Josh Richardson, um, Justice Winslow, James Johnson, Hassan Whiteside, bring Bam Adebayo off the bench, um, Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson, um, Kelly Olynyk, Deion Waiters, um, and then obviously their, their franchise face, Dwayne Wade, um, and Rodney McGruder as well with, geez, I mean, they play their entire roster. Besides Adonis Haslam, because Derrick Jones Jr. also out with injury, but plays had played significant minutes as well. Um, so, in your biased opinion, what do you like think about these guys? I mean, it is as bad as it sounds. <laughs> when you're reading those names, that's why I was giggling. Like, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> um, but so, even though the injury bug did hit him pretty good this year, Dragic has missed pretty much most of the year. Um, Wayne Ellington and Magruder have been bouncing back and forth. James Johnson's been hurt a little bit. Uh, literally everybody basically has has suffered something. Um, but while that's happened, they've, Justice has moved to the starting point guard. Uh, last year they flirted with him as the second unit's point guard, and it went pretty decent for most of the way. But this year with the move to starting point guard, Justice has really taken off. Uh, he's had a bunch of 20-point games. On, like he, I think he's averaging close to like eighteen and seven as the starting point guard, um, and he's. I mean, who doesn't want to start a six eight six nine solid body point guard like him? Um, but Miami just can't figure out an offense because they just don't have offensive players. Uh, Hassan Whiteside obviously is still fighting with Spolstra and Pat Riley and everyone about playing time and still seems miserable, but. Uh, we found out today that he has a what twenty seven million dollar player option for next year. 
Yeah. So he'd be even though he's miserable, he'd be pretty probably more miserable not taking that. Um, so he might be back, but I don't know. To me, like Josh Richardson, I think is an awesome player, but to be the best player on a team is dangerous. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole lot to love about this team. <laughs> I think I'm I think I'm higher on them than you are because. Um, when it's your favorite team and they're not playing well, it's hard to like anybody. But I do think they have bright spots um, with Josh Richardson, with Justice Winslow, and Bam Adebayo. Um, outside of that, other than the fact that I think the NBA is a better league with Deion Waiters in it, um, it's not. <laughs> Billy Cheese. <laughs> there's not much to like about about this roster. And it's weird that uh, Kelly Olenek isn't getting as much play time as I think he should. Um, He's 27. He's a stretch five. Um, last year was had some of the, the best plus minuses on the team. Um, and they were a playoff team at that point. So uh, weird to me that he's not playing um, as much as he should. But, yeah, I mean, I think, and we talked about it a little bit, they just have to embrace that they're not going to be good um, this year or next and just sort of ride it out. Um, Josh is signed through the 21-22 season um, where he has a player option. Um, Justice is the same thing, and I don't know how they negotiated a team option through that, but they have a team option then, um, and they'll definitely re-sign Bam um, next summer, give him an extension. So just sort of build through those three guys. Um, Don't trade your draft pick this year, please. Um, Seriously. (laughs) Tank it out try to get in the top 10 um, because I think if they get in the top 10 they can have someone fall to them like Romeo Langford um, someone like that that has a, lot, a ton of offensive skill and with James or with Josh Richardson and Bam really being defensive first players even Justice a little bit um, having a go-to scorer like that would be very helpful um, so just just stay the course. Don't don't make any moves right now. Suck up yeah. the Whiteside contract, the Tyler Johnson contract. Unless you can get something for Goran Dragic without giving up an asset, I wouldn't touch this roster and just wait it out. I mean, so they obviously went all in when they got LeBron, and rightfully so. They got him two rings in the span of four years, and you got to do what you, when when LeBron makes the commitment to come to your roster, you got to do what you got to do to get the championship roster around him. Um, but then once he left, they felt, to me, it felt like Pat Riley wanted to kind of prove, like, I can still do this. We still have enough to be competitive, and that kind of backfired. Um, seems like he panicked in some situations and signed some guys like Tyler Johnson to some pretty big deals, uh, kind of locked up the salary cap for a little while, especially the last couple of years. They've really been tied with what they could do, like bringing in guys like Wayne Ellington as their, like, premier signing in free agency. <laughs> yeah. um, but somehow there's still an eight seed in the East right now with all of this that we're saying. They're 24 and 26, but still technically in the playoffs by I think like two games. Shows you how bad the East has been at the bottom half. But um, yeah, they're they're in a really weird spot because like, like you said, they do have some solid young pieces, Justice, Josh, and, and Bam. Um, and then you're going to have D-Wade and Haslam are both retiring at the end of the year. You have player options for Hassan Whiteside, Tyler Johnson, and Goran Dragic next year. 
well, at the end of the season. Um, so who knows, but they're all <laughs> massive contracts that realistically probably I could see all three opting in just because of the nature of the deal. Um, they'd all be making over $19 million a year. Uh, so kind of what happens there could depend on what they do in free agency. But like you said, they just need to come to terms with the fact that I think it'll be easier now that D Wade's gone and Haslam, but just just understand that you need to be bad for like two years, um, rebuild an, a decent roster, and stop trading your pick, like you said, because I can't remember the last time they actually drafted a player yeah, besides Bam. Bam is their last pick, and he was the fourteenth pick. So like, they can get value if they just just fall off. Just let Charlotte get that eight seed, or let Detroit get that eight seed. Like, you don't need to be in the playoffs this year. Especially if you're going to be playing the Raptors in the first round. Yeah. Obliterated. It's – Mickey Arson, yeah, like, their owner, he makes he's a billionaire. He doesn't need any more money. Like, he doesn't need to get that first round <laughs> where they make a few extra million from. Like, he's fine. Just ride it out. Um, try to keep those three um, and draft and take some chances. I mean, you don't need to, and next year you don't be signing another Wayne Ellington to a stupid <laughs> deal. Like, just, just stay put, bring in some guys to bet minimums, um, take some chances with some young guys uh, that aren't, just give some 10 days out there. Days um, just sign, sign those type of guys. You never know who you're going to hit. You, that happened with Josh Richardson. So... I really want them to call Yante Mayden up and like play him more than he has. I, I've told you before, but I really think he's a solid player. It's like a he can pretty much play point forward. Absolutely, no Yante Mayden. I'm, I'm, I, I think he's going to be eventually going to be a rotation type of guy. Um, but why is Duncan Robinson the other two way guy? <laughs> Wait, why is he on the G League roster, let alone two way guy? Like unbelievable that he's. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah, biggest thing, suck. Suck for the next. Not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven. Two years, rebuild it. Truly rebuild it. Don't sign any more Tyler Johnsons or Hassan Whiteside type contracts. And they'll be fine. Um, prospects, what do you got? So they have their own first round pick this year. Yeah, so I got two. Um, so my first one is, if they do suck, which I hope they do, um, would be Brandon Clark. Kind of let him sit behind. Well, I, so I'm I'm doing this expecting Whiteside to opt in next year just because I don't see how a human being can pass up $27 million. But um, so let Brandon Clark sit with, sit behind him, play like, you know, how Bam's playing this year kind of, and then have Whiteside leave after next year and go with Bam and Brandon Clark together, I think would be an awesome front court. Uh, obviously not a ton of shooting there, but I think Brandon Clark's a guy that can, can shoot it. Um, once he gets into the NBA, I think he'll become a decent shooter. And even Bam has developed a, a nice face-up game so far this year. And then if they do make the playoffs, which I have a terrible feeling they're going to continue to do, um, a guy like Lou Dort, I think would be a nice uh, kind of fill the D Wade type role. I, I see a lot of D-Wade in him, to be completely honest with you. Like a big, solid, slashing guard that just makes good plays, finishes, 
kind of electrifies the crowd and has a nonstop motor. Um, I think he could fit well in Miami. Absolutely. Yeah, you know how much I like it. <laughs> so, um, he does have a lot of D-Wade in him. Just that sort of bulldog mentality. Um, and just plays really, really hard um, all the time. Um, for me, I was looking at a guy like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Uh, wow, if they could get him, I'll sign that right now. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> yeah. um, we've talked about him quite a bit on here, um, how he just continues to get better. Um, right now, averaging 19, basically 5 and 4 with two and a half steals. So does it on both ends of the floor. He's got a lot of Josh Richardson in him. I was going to say, I think he would compliment Josh Richardson quite a bit. Um, those two guys would sort of take the scoring load off of it. I mean, having those two as your scoring options with Justice running the show um, and Bam down low, I think that's a solid nucleus right there. Um, or even a guy like Trey Jones. Um, bring in someone who can really, really defend um, like Josh Richardson can do, like Bam, like Justice can do, um, and just a steady, steady point guard. Um, that can take some ball handling responsibilities off of Justice. Wow, you're just really trying to get my favorite players to my favorite team, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> just looking out for you. But I, I <laughs> honestly, like those two guys make the most sense in my head for for Miami. I think someone that can complement those three guys. Uh, those are the two guys that sort of jump out. Because, I, I mean, other guys are that are around their range. I mean, Rui, I don't think would make sense there. Bruno. Yeah, I'm not, I don't like that one too much. Um, you got Bruno there, Bol Bol, Jonte Porter, just a bunch of bigs. And all. those are all projects that, I mean, I know Miami can probably take on a project, but you already kind of have a few projects on your hands with Bam and Justice, so. Yeah. I mean, maybe even P.J. Washington there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think Alexander Walker or Trey Jones, um, I would love to see there. Me too. <laughs> um, so now I'm going to – oh, free agents. Sorry. Um, so they're, as of right now, they're going to lose Wayne Ellington, Roddy McGruder, Haslam and Wade, who are retiring. And then I'm going into this expecting those at least two of the three guys to opt into their player options. Um, I would like to see them re-sign Rodney McGruder if it's like a decent deal. Obviously nothing ridiculous because I think at best he's like a – um, three and D come in off the bench, play like 15, 20 minutes a game. Um, so nothing like Tyler Johnson esque, please. But, uh, I think to go along with our theme of just kind of sucking a little bit next year, um, and try to stockpile some, some prospects and just develop again. Uh, two guys I looked at were Alan Crabb and Seth Curry. Uh, I think they could use scoring and shooting specifically. Uh, and both those guys can play like a, uh, well, Seth mostly, but he can play on the ball or off the ball uh, and bring a lot of shooting and help either coming off the bench or even starting at the shooting guard position. Um, and they just, I think they really need a shooter, someone to stretch the floor and not pay him what Wayne Ellington is paid and how he plays right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. Um, for me, I was looking at Quinn Cook again. Just so Wow, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I don't even put it together that they like not to just get my Duke jersey out and call it a night. <laughs> but I mean like it, again it makes sense just bring some shooting. Um 
get him away from the Warriors. <laughs> and I think you can sign him to a pretty friendly deal. So, um, yeah, definitely a guy like Quinn Cook, uh, maybe Trey Burke, um, some guys that can create for themselves a little bit um, with Trey Burke. Uh, maybe even Tim Frazier. I don't know. Just some backup like, point guards. I like those guys too. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to hit you with a trade for Miami. Alright. Um, so I'm going to trade with Miami to Sacramento. Um, Miami's going to take back Zach Randolph, Amon Shumper, and Ben McLemore. Okay. Um, and then send out Hassan Whiteside and a second, a future second. Sure. Get rid of the contract. Don't worry about the opt-in. All, th- uh, all three of those guys are um, unrestricted free agents after this year. The Kings guys, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, my God, Boogie just dunked on Kyle Kuzma so bad. Sorry about that. But, um, <laughs> uh, wow, you really got to see that. But, Damn. yeah, so back to the trade anyways. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to call Hassan Whiteside like a cancer, but I think there's been clear problems in the locker room with him. Uh, specifically, just he – he feels he should be the focal point of the team, and I don't can't fault him for that. He thinks he's a shooter. Uh, doesn't think he's a shooter, but he thinks he should be able to step out, take jump shots, you know, all the above. Um, and he doesn't have that freedom, which I can understand from the, from both aspects, from Whiteside's perspective and from Spolstra and Pat Riley's perspective. But um, like we said and continue to say, they kind of just need to just – suck and let it happen um taking back guys like Amon Trumper and Zach Randolph who are going to be gone next year just to make the salaries work out Ben McLemore I think is an interesting player that should be way better than he is in my opinion um I don't know like maybe he plays well and you take a shot in like a two-year deal but uh yeah it's just more to just get rid of just get rid of Whiteside. And, and that gives Bam a chance to showcase what he has for the rest of the year, too. Yeah, yeah. And the reason Sacramento would do it, I think, is they need another big. <laughs> as funny as that sounds, because they have a ton. <laughs> um, but I think they need like a legitimate guy that can play. Um, Hassan would still be griping probably about playtime, because he'll, he'll come off the bench behind Willie Cauley-Stein, but um, I think someone that can bring some shot blocking to that team, which um, really outside of Collie Stein, they don't really have any rim protection. Um, yeah, and I, ultimately, I do think they could convince Whiteside to opt out. So um, they would also get out of that money too, and they get um, they'll probably want more picks than a future second. Um, and what I would I think the worst I would do for Miami would be um, a highly protected first rounder this year. So basically one through a lottery protected pick, I think. Um, And then next year have the same thing, lottery protected um, until like three years out where you finally convey it. So um, do you think they could get a first round pick for Dragic? Uh, Houston, maybe. Uh, like a Houston first-round pick. But so, late first. Yeah, late first is the absolute best. I think Gordon w- would bring. Um, 
I think Brandon Knight in a first. But that doesn't help really the cap, really. Uh, yeah, I just because I know teams like the Suns and somewhat the Kings are always looking for like a veteran-type point guard, and I was wondering if that would be a possibility or not. Yeah, I, I definitely. I can see the, the Brandon Knight in a first for Goran Dragic, but I think they're looking more on the wing um, with some wing help for the, the Rockets. And then, I don't know, any other playoffs teams really looking for that type of player? Um, I'll have to look at it more. Maybe next next NBA pod we'll talk a little bit about it. Yeah, because everybody wants to hear us talk about Miami. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll take a short break here and then get into our picks and learn a little bit more again about the salary cap. Straight cash, homie. Okay, for our picks, we're gonna. There's not much happening tomorrow, uh, Sunday, February third. Only three games. We're still gonna give you two out of the three. Um, so who do you got? There's still the two we're gonna pick are still pretty solid playoff type games, but well, not not gonna happen in the playoffs, I don't think. But yeah. <laughs> um, playoff teams at least. Um, but I'm going with the Thunder. Uh, I think the spread's three right now. Thunder underdogs by three. So Thunder plus three against Boston. Um, Boston's still kind of up in the air. Been a weird season so far for them with their personnel and what's going to happen next year and all that. Um, also, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were told they've been floated in trade uh, talks this week and that they're it's just part of the business. So I'm interested to see how they respond to that. But I also think, wow, another dunk. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I, I think the Thunder are just flat out better than Boston. I know playing in Boston's tough, but... Um, but if you've seen Paul George over the last, I don't know, three months, it's I feel comfortable picking the Thunder. Yeah. The only thing I would caution him to look out for is Steven Adams' health. Um, he's I just saw the dunk, dang. <laughs> for the, those of you guys listening, I have a slight delay in my uh, television. So, um, But anyway, um, Steven Adams has been in and out of the lineup the past few games. Um, battling some in- injuries, um, but if he's playing, he's gonna abuse them down low like he does every time they play. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think Thunder can cover that three as long as he's playing. Uh, for me, I'm looking at the this the third game of the, of the I guess afternoon. Um, the Clippers are playing in Toronto. Um, Clippers had a crazy comeback today. Uh, they were down 25 points and came back and beat Detroit. Um, was that in Detroit or was that in L.A.? That was in- I actually don't know that. I'll, I'm guessing Detroit. Yeah, I so don't know. in Detroit, a back-to-back away game um, is always difficult, especially when you have a, a hard-fought comeback like that. Um, Toronto's favorite at 10 right now. I'm going to take those 10 points, I think. Um, Toronto lost to um, Milwaukee on Thursday. Um, kind of got beat pretty handily there. So I think they're going to come back and really hand it to the Clippers. I think they win, end up winning by close to 20. Um, and since I've been so good at predicting final scores, um, I'm going to throw a final score out there. I think the Raptors win um, 110-91. Just for some background on that, he uh, – so – Mostly with college, but he predicted the score for North Carolina 
Georgia Tech within two points of each team. And then today he said, well, in our college podcast, he said the Duke-St. John's game was going to be 85-55, and it was 91-61. So we're not just saying it. He literally has been basically spot on. <sighs> well, I changed my Duke-St. John's to 85-65. Yeah, but you go with your gut always. So you went with your gut, and it was 85-55, and that's close enough. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I think... Cause uh, also, because as a Duke fan, I would have never, ever said we were going to win by 30, and the fact that that was your first thought, is that says enough. <laughs> yeah, so I feel pretty good about the 110-91. Uh, I also think the Raptors are going to hammer the Clippers for whatever that's worth <laughs> to you people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm coming off my first NBA loss, because I'll never pick the Lakers again. <laughs> or Minnesota. <laughs> no, who did I, th- I don't even remember. Those two teams I'm staying away from, though. Forever. It feels like it, it feels like about ten years ago last time we did NBA. So yeah, um, but yeah, let's let's get into the um, learning a little bit more about the salary cap. So. Oh, back to school, back to school to prove to dad that I'm not a fool. I got my lunch packed up, my boots tied tight. I hope I don't get in a fight. Oh, back to school, back to school, back to school. So since it sort of came up with the Anthony Davis stuff, the Rose Rule, um, so I'm going to explain that a little bit. Um, So basically in 2011, um, Derrick Rose was a rookie, 2011-2012. He ended up winning the MVP. Um, And since when you're on your rookie contract, when you get get the quote unquote rookie max extension, um, what that is, it's twenty five percent, or what it used to be, it was twenty five percent of whatever the salary cap was. Um, so this year's salary cap's at one hundred one, you'd get twenty five percent of that, so just around twenty six million. Um, the rule um, has now changed to where a rookie can extend up to 30% of a team's salary cap. And that's only if you've been voted twice as an all-star during your rookie contract, or made the all-NBA twice, or won an MVP award. So with someone like that on the Rose Rule, um, you can only trade or acquire a Rose Rule player um, once um, for a year. So... Since um, the Celtics acquired Kyrie Irving, who was on the Rose Rule um, in August 2017, they can't uh, trade for another Rose Rule type of player until um, two years after that. So July 1st, 2019 would be the earliest that they could trade for Anthony Davis, and that's why um, they have to wait until the summer. Is that as clear as mud? Yeah. So the, they have to wait. Un- unless they include Kyrie in the deal, they can't get, or move Kyrie first, they can't get AD until that time has passed. Yeah, exactly. So it's two years that they have to wait before they can acquire another Rose Rule player. Um, or if they're no longer on the roster, they can acquire them. So, yeah. They can certainly trade Kyrie and then deal for him or um, wait until July 1st. Makes sense. Yep. So that concludes this long NBA 
podcast. Um, Thanks to AD, KP, and Harden, three most <laughs> talked about things in the world right now, it feels like. Yeah, seriously. Um, who, did, who isn't playing with a shoe right now? KCP. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, did you see that? I don't remember who it was now, but someone lost their shoe and took their sock off right away. <laughs> it's probably the smartest thing I've ever seen. Seriously, I would have never, ever thought of that. Like, as soon as the shoe popped off and he couldn't get it, he t- took his sock off. Wow, that's got to hurt, though, kind of, when you stop. <laughs> yeah, but you get that grip back. <laughs> that's a, Wow, that's actually super smart, whoever did that. I'll have to look that up and let you guys know next time, but yeah. <laughs> Really smart. Anyway, um, so that wraps it up. Um, check us out on social media. We're creating a lot of good content sort of behind the scenes right now um, and eventually going to have a sweet website for you, sort of a one-stop shop for college and NBA basketball um, and even a little bit of high school. So And whatever, we'll kind of keep it secret for right now, but whatever you uh, feel you want to see or like if you went to a basketball website you'd, you'd expect to have there, let us know. You can uh, message us on Twitter or whatever. Our Twitter handle is NBA at NBA underscore pod. So just let, tell us whatever you want to see on there, and we'll either we already have it done or we will make it for you. Yeah, and it's probably we already have it done. We've been doing yeah. a lot, a lot of work on it. So it's, it's going to come out. Um, don't have a date yet, but we're, we're working hard at it. So look out for that. Um, but yeah, here's uh, DJ Zenus for the outro. Show up, get out on the floor. All I want to know, can we turn this thing out?